Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. I'm Teddy Cahill. This is Mike Lanana with me. We're ready to talk college baseball. It's another another week, another Baseball America college podcast, another new top 25 to talk about, Mike. It's a, it's a good Monday. It's a it's a brand new look top 25. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to dig into after this weekend. It's an insane uh, top 25. Last night's call was, I mean, I, I know for me it was one of the most difficult. It's probably the most difficult top 25 we've had to put together this year, I think, from top to bottom. I, w- I would agree with that, and I would include the preseason. When we're starting from scratch, this was harder than that, I would say. Yeah, it's just because you go into, I mean, you see all the, the surprising losses. You have SEC play now where a lot of these teams are beating up on each other. You have the transitive property in play here. You're trying to figure out how that works in here with pole mechanics. You know, really there was no place in the pole, no area in the pole that was untouched. I mean, everything required some kind of tinkering, some sort of change. And uh, it was uh, it was difficult. It was a long call. But if you haven't seen what we came up with, that poll obviously is on our website right now. And Florida is back at number one, and Oregon State all the way down to number five. It was a rough week for the Beavers. Yeah, Oregon State um, has been, I, I think last week they, they had been number one 13 of the last 18 weeks. Um, and then this week, they, they haven't lost a Pac-12 series since 2016. Uh, and this week they were going to Utah, uh, which went into the weekend at 4-19 and overall. Um, yeah. And just one series win last weekend uh, against Sac State. And so, of course, Oregon State lost that series. Um, Can't it, predict ball. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a stunning series result that's probably going to be the upset of the year. Um, I kind of find it hard to believe that we're going to see another one like that. Uh, but it's possible. This, we, we still have a half a year of this. Uh, there, there are like eight weekends left for us to somehow match Utah beating Oregon State. And, you know, I, I feel like Oregon State maybe was due for this kind of series. Yeah, Their pitching had been a little inconsistent. Pat Casey hadn't been thrilled with it over the last couple weeks. Um, Nick Madrigal is still out. Andy Armstrong has done a nice job filling in, but you take out the Pac-12 player of the year, potentially the best player in the country, um, it has an effect. And it is very difficult to pitch in Salt Lake City. Um, you know, there, there is that aspect of it, and, and Utah had home field advantage and, and all the rest of that, and yet none of this still makes any sense, does it, Mike? No, it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, zero sense. Uh, you know, you have to tip your cap, though, to Utah, obviously. I mean, it's not just a one-sided thing. I mean, congrats to Utah, who have, uh, what was it, six of the last seven games they've won now? Or that, that is correct. After starting the year 0-13, and 13, 13. <laughs> they're now 6-7 and seven in their last 13 games. Yeah, so it's, you know, they're improving. Uh, a, a team that lost 13 games in a row did take a series against Oregon State, which went 27-3 and in the Pac-12 just last year. I, and I will say that Utah was not as bad as 0-13. You know, that also was, I felt like, slightly deceiving. 
But yeah. again. No, it's, it's fair <laughs> enough. And, and I agree with your assessment of Oregon State that they were due for this at some point. I, I do think at, at some point they're going to slip up a little bit just with the injury to Madrigal, some of the shakiness on the mound that you mentioned. And just given law of averages, the, the way they performed over this last year and a half is – I mean, it certainly didn't seem sustainable. I mean, they're human. They're kids. I mean, it's, it was going to happen at some point. I just didn't think it would be this weekend. I thought it would come against Stanford or UCLA or or, or, or someone of, of that nature. I didn't think it would come against, you know, a team that was 4-19 coming into this weekend. With that said, though, you got to tip your cap to Utah, and you also have to tip your cap to Florida, who took care of business this weekend in an impressive fashion against Vanderbilt and moved right back up to the number one spot. Yeah, so Florida um... – you know, has played back to back to back top ten series, um, beating Arkansas and then sweeping Vanderbilt. Uh, they threw in another midweek win against Florida State and Jacksonville on Tuesday. Uh, so that's um, what is that? That that's uh, now five straight wins, six straight wins. Sorry, against uh, top ten opponents. Um, and their game against Vanderbilt, their game two of that series, wrapped up before Oregon State finished its series against Utah, also on Saturday. Um, you know, so before we, we knew that that Florida had won this series, before we knew that Oregon State had actually lost against Utah. And regardless of what happened in Salt Lake City Saturday evening, I was going to be arguing for Florida to be number one. I think what's happened over the last two weeks has been incredibly loud. They have done just about everything that you know, there's been one small hiccup this season. They lost back-to-back games against UCF in midweek uh, a few weeks ago, but they're 25 and five. Uh, they don't have a losing weekend. They're you know again the, this last couple weeks has been this really incredible run against a very very difficult opposition. Um, and the Gators are just rolling along, and they, to me, clearly look like the best team in the country. Um, I've obviously said a lot about their rotation before, uh, but their offense has been very impressive so far this season, and they're finding ways to win close games, and obviously a large part of that is, is Michael Byrne at the back end of the bullpen, who became Florida's all-time saves leader, uh, despite the fact that just la- like he went into last season not like he was not supposed to be the closer. Um, I think a year ago he had something like three career saves, and now he is 26. Um, so it, very impressive overall from from Florida. Uh, they're find ways to win and finding different ways to win, and finding ways to win a lot of close games. They, they were close games last weekend against Arkansas for the most part, um, and, and on Florida State it was a one nothing win. Uh, they, they've also shown the ability to score runs in bunches and. Um, you know, I, I'm just overall very impressed with that team. And, um, you know, at the midpoint of the season, they, from, again, look like a clear-cut number one. Yeah, I mean, to me, any of the issues we may have had with Florida last year, which weren't many. They won the national championship. It's, it's hard to be too nitpicky, but early well, on. There, there was a time, about this time last year, there was, I don't want to say panic, but that's actually probably accurate to what was happening uh, in some corners of the fan base. Uh, and there were some real concerns at this point, this time last year. Yeah, you look at what they did last year. They had a lot more difficulty in midweek games. They opened SEC play, getting swept by Auburn. Things at that point looked maybe a little bit shaky. They were having some offensive struggles. You look at the team this year, I mean, it's... And again, these are the def- defending reigning national champs uh, from a year ago. 
Uh, they've hit 46 home runs this year, uh, which they hit 53 all of last year, so they're already ahead of that pace. Offensively, they're just a, a different team, just the way they're clicking. I mean, we've talked a lot about Jonathan India. Will Dalton's had a great year for them offensively. I mean, they've really just been firing in all cylinders. You mentioned Michael Byrne solidifying the back end of the bullpen. They're winning midweek games, other than that little slip-up that, that you mentioned early on. They're winning their midweeks. They're taking care of business on the weekends against premium competition. I mean, this is a team very much on a mission, it, it seems like, to repeat as, as national champs. And certainly, given what they've done so far, given the talent on the roster, I mean, they're the odds-on favorite. Yeah, I mean, they're my pick coming into the year, uh, surprising exactly no one, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're playing like it. And, you know, it, right now, I mean, it, it's hard to see a team beating them. It's going to happen at some point, I think, though. That they are going to slip up and lose a series. Um, that you know, it's 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 just likely to happen. Um, but y- when you when you actually like look at them and, and, and break them down, and it's hard to find weaknesses. That's the best rotation in the country for me. I know Stanford has an argument for that, uh, but that's the best rotation in the country for me. That's you know an All American closer. That's an offense that's really firing on all cylinders. Uh, JJ Schwartz, Will Dalton, John India. Um, that, that's a great heart of the order. Um, and they have much more depth on the mound this year than last year, which is legitimate, legitimately <laughs> scary. That that, that yeah. is legitimately scary. Um, so yeah, that that's Florida. Uh, and then out in the SEC West, there was another uh, a big showdown there. Uh, Ole Miss hosting Arkansas, uh, and Ole Miss comes out with a win. Uh, another very close series uh, for Arkansas on the road against a really good team. Uh, you know, they wind up losing the two games they lost by one run. Um, you know, that's uh, so Arkansas has now lost back to back series at Florida at Ole Miss of the four games they lost. Three of them have been by one run like that team is it's right there. Uh, I still really believe in the Razorbacks, but the Rebels this season have been off to an, an incredible start. Uh, you know, they're sitting at 25 and four tied with Florida for the most wins in the country. They're up to number three in the top 25. That's their highest ranking since the end of the 2014 season. Obviously, that year they uh, did very well in Omaha. Um, And this team has really, I mean, they, they, like Florida, are doing it in several different ways. Um, You know, their rotation is really good. Their bullpen is crazy deep. Uh, Parker Karachi has uh, taken over as closer from preseason All-American Dallas Wolfuck, who hasn't been terrible himself. you know, he has like a 1-5 ERA and six saves. Um, it, it, they have a lot of options to go to there. And the offense, which was really the problem for Ole Miss last season, uh, they were very young. Uh, well, this year they're a year older and a year better, uh, and, and they're showing that they can score score a lot of runs. Uh, there's a lot of depth to that lineup. Uh, there's power throughout the lineup. Uh, and I, I've just been very impressed with, with, with Ole Miss and, uh, you can read more about them and, and, and that series uh, and off the bat this week on, on baseballamerica.com. But you know, again, they're up to number three, Mike, and you know they're they look right now having been in Arkansas, they look like the favorites out west. Yeah, no, no doubt at this point. I mean, just looking at the overall record, you know, for us there was a little bit, you know, looking at their non-conference schedule, it wasn't the strongest non-conference schedule of these these cluster of SEC teams that we've had here in the top ten and around the top ten. But they've really, you know, since SEC play has begun, proven that they belong here where they are. 
at, at number three in this poll. I mean, it's it's very impressive to not only to the week before go to Texas A&M and win that series, and then to take down Arkansas, which, as you mentioned, is a very talented team, a very close, a team that has is more talented and has played better than its record might indicate to this point. Certainly very impressive. And I do think the Rebels are a more complete team. They're an older team uh, than they were last year. The bullpen is really what stands out to me with the numbers that they put up to this point. And, you know, their starting rotation, too, while it, it may not be at, at quite the same level as Florida's, Florida's is, is at a whole nother level. is just an elite rotation. Their rotation is very good, too, um, uh, led by Ryan Rollison. And it's a good group, and they've pitched very well to this point. They've hit just enough, and I think they're a dangerous team. There's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, when I think that's a common thread with the, the top three teams in the, the rankings right now. Florida, Stanford, Ole Miss all have exceptional rotations. Uh, and and they're really riding them to this point, and I, I that's not to take away with any any other part of those teams, but you know with those rotations give them the edge basically any weekend, um, and you know it, they can do that all season long, I think, and and stay in stay in games and and, and let their offense you know go to work and and then feel good when they do have to turn it over to the bullpen that their starters have gotten them pretty deep in the game and and you know, giving them a really good chance to win. And, um, you know, th- those three teams, they have clearly shown, you know, they've done everything, you know, we could ask them to do to this point. I mean, to have three consistent starters on the weekend, that's huge in college baseball. I mean, you can win and be successful during the regular season without three defined guys. We've seen it before. But once you get into the postseason, to be able to have – those three guys and usually four guys four or five guys ideally to be able to lean on and to have confidence and you run them out there that that's huge and that's a difference maker so these teams certainly these top three are incredibly scary you know come postseason time just given what they have on the mound not even talking about their offensive pieces which you know it's certainly a lot to like there as well absolutely so that gets us through the, you know, those, those three teams, Florida State, Oregon State, that, that's your top five. Uh, again, this week, slightly different order, but the same top five as I believe the last two weeks now, uh, or I, I guess just last week. Um, after that, we have uh, the top ten looks different. Teams six through <laughs> six through nine lost series uh, this weekend, and one of those was Arkansas at Ole Miss, but uh, seven, eight, nine all, all lost uh, in, in upset fashion. And um, so it looks a little different in the top 10. And we got North Carolina State up to six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Tech, Clemson coming back to the top 10. They've been there before. Uh, Arkansas at nine. And then Duke at number 10. Um, and I want to focus on uh, the, these two North Carolina teams, State and Duke. Um, State is that, – that number six is the highest they've been this season. Mm-hmm. Um, they are winning – the ACC, whatever division that is, Mike. It's the Atlantic Division. All right. Uh, maybe I'll learn you'll, those you'll one figure it. And Duke is winning the Coastal. They are winning the Coastal, and they are both 9-3. and three. They are, They're tied for, for the, the ACC lead. Uh, and this is Duke's first ever top 10 ranking. We've been doing this poll for 37 years. Well, not me and Mike. We haven't. We're, we're not 37. But Baseball no, America's... We're, we're in our 20s still. Baseball America's <laughs> been putting this poll together for 37 years. And uh, Duke has never been in the top 10 before. So... Uh, it, it's an incredible uh, accomplishment by the Blue Devils through the start of the season. Twenty-four and five, 
That's just one game, one, one win less than the national leaders to this point. Uh, that 9-3 and three start in the ACC is their best start in conference play since 1961, which is also the last time they went to the College World Series. Um, also, I was looking at the 1961 schedule last night, uh, and college baseball, way different back then. Uh, <laughs> so many fewer games. Um, but... What the Blue Devils have done this season, I mean, th- this is a team that was kind of a trendy dark horse in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, they went out opening weekend, they lost a series at Vanderbilt, but since then, it's gone very, very well for this team, and they're pitching it a lot better, I think, and that's true of State as well. Um, both of those teams pitching it a lot better than we expected, I think, in both cases, we figured they'd be pretty offensive, mm-hmm. uh, but we weren't quite sure about their pitching staffs. But Duke, um, State leads the ACC in ERA. I believe Duke is second. Um, and it, it's just been a very impressive step forward by, by some of those guys. Yeah, you know, I think if you would have asked me, uh, hey, Mike, on, on April 2nd, would what North Carolina teams would you have in the top 10 of our poll? I, I think, I mean, we both liked, as you said, we both liked NC State and Duke coming into this season as, as regional, regional caliber teams, as teams that we thought would hit their way through and could maybe surprise a little bit. Certainly, I, I don't think either of us saw a top 10, at, at least, you know, the, to the extent of, you know, both of them, you know, both of them leading their respective divisions in the ACC right now. It's certainly... Is certainly surprising and it's impressive and it's a great job by both coaching staffs. You know, specifically with Duke, you know, this is a team that last year brought in a really good recruiting class, a team that really, I mean, has been on the cusp for the last couple of years, did make a regional, regional, I keep saying regional, I don't know why I keep saying that, I'm, I'm combining words here, but did make a regional a couple of years ago and a, a team that certainly has talent and you talk to scouts in the area and they've talked up their talent coming into this year. A large part of that was because of what Griffin Conine was doing in the summer. A large part of that was because of Jimmy Heron and the, the hitters in that lineup. But you're right, it has been pitching so far that's really carried them. I mean, Adam Lasky, a guy who, he was a blue chip recruit coming in for them, struggled last year. He's taken a jump. He's, he's shown growth necessary to be a Friday starter in the ACC. And you look at his numbers, he's 5-1 and one with 2.79 ERA. It's been very good so far. He's limited his walks. He struck out 38 and 42 innings. And then you have Mitch Stallings, who's been very solid behind him, and a veteran in Ryan Day, who has been, to this point, serviceable. But their bullpen, um, uh, you know, their bullpen with Jack Lebowski, a two-way guy for them, has been just dynamic at the back of games. Ethan DeCaster has been really, really good. 26 strikeouts to two walks and 23 innings, a 0.39 ERA, and he's a funky guy who throws from a lower arm slot. Really tough to pick up. A guy who really impressed me when I saw him. I mean, there are a lot of pieces to like on this pitching staff. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, it's it's a group that has shown uh, what they can do. They're, they're, and their defense is really picking them up too. You know, that's uh, they're one of the better defensive teams by fielding percentage. Uh, in the ACC, and you know, I, I think it's a it's a solid infield, and and they have some guys that can really go get it in the outfield. Um, you know, if Jimmy Heron's your left fielder, you know, I feel like you're in a pretty good spot. And obviously, left field in Durham with the the big wall there is not the not the easiest spot. Uh, it, it does take some nuance, and and he's he's definitely used to that now as a as a third year player. And 
I, you know, offensively, they're doing this without Conine having, um, you know, the kind of the season that was anticipated. He's hitting 233. He has six home runs. He homered yesterday. It was a monster shot against Notre Dame. Um, but, you know, they've had to drop him in the lineup. And, you know, if you told me that Duke was off to this incredible start, I would have said, like, okay, so they're, you know, Griffin Conine's hitting, like, 400, right? But um, the, the fact that they're doing it without that, uh, I, I think is all the more impressive. And, you know, the schedule does toughen up a little bit from here. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is fair to say that, you know, to the, it, it, the second half of their ACC schedule is harder than their first half. Uh, but when you start talking about teams, um, you know, that can potentially, you know, be in the mix at the end of the season at, at the top of the ACC, I, I think we have to say that Duke is there. And, um you know, it, it's a it's an exciting growth uh, of of that program that you know for so long had um, had been you know I mean they hadn't made a regional since '61 until uh, you know 2016. They also have some incredible names. And Mike, I asked this on Twitter. I'm going to ask you. You are our college baseball name expert, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, who is the better Duke baseball name, Chase Cheek or Griffin Conine? I think the answer is neither. I think it's Alpesto. That is, Alpesto <laughs> is, uh, is a good one as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think I gotta go Alpesto, um, who hasn't, uh, he, he was projected maybe to be their closer this year, he hasn't been, uh, but, you know, he's a guy who, just like my pasta, uh, I like it, <laughs> I like it Alpesto. Uh, that wasn't, that wasn't great execution there on that joke, but in, in any event, yeah, you know, Duke, Duke has done a great job, you, you know, you have to credit what Chris Pollard has done as head coach, what Josh Jordan has done as recruiting coordinator there, bringing in the talent that he has. You know, it's it's not easy uh, doing what they've done given that, you know, UNC and NC State have been sort of the baseball powers here in this area. So certainly very, very impressive what they've done. And, and the same goes to State this year with what they've been able to put together, you know, now climbing up to number six, off to a nine and three start, leading the Atlantic Division, which is a stacked division. It's the tougher division in the ACC to this point, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, I, I don't. We'll get back to state in a second. I do. I, I don't want to be super like into the weeds on this, but like, I don't think there's as much separation in the divisions as it feels like there is, um, because you know, okay, state, Clemson, Florida State, all in the top ten, all in the Atlantic. I think we still like Louisville. Um, yeah. So that's your Atlantic top end, but the bottom end, you know, Wake Forest is now 11 and 17 overall and uh you know they just got swept by North Carolina. Notre Dame, Boston College at the at the bottom of that division at 4 and 8. On the other side, you know, Duke is the lone ranked team uh, in that division. But I think North Carolina, Georgia Tech, like they've shown that they they're pretty close. Uh Miami is still 6 and 6 in the league. Um and then Virginia Tech, Pitt and UVA are your bottom end. So I don't know that, the, like, the top end of the Atlantic is crazy right now. Really yeah. good. But the bottom end is maybe just as bad, um, potentially. I don't know. ACC is so, so strange. But anyway, not to take away from what North Carolina State is doing, they're doing it, um, and, and they're, they're pitching really well. And Josh McClain uh, at, at the top of the order and, and Brett Kinnaman in the outfield, um, very dynamic group. And, and they're a team, too. I mean, the, the big question that we had with them was pitching. And as you said, they're, they're leading the ACC in ERA right now, which is a surprise. 
Uh, certainly not something that I expected to see given the arms that they had and the questions that they had with their starting rotation. And really, they've been leaning on veteran guys, the guys that they've had the last few years. A guy like Brian Brown, who, you know, he's he's 4-0, 0.4 run ERA. I mean, he's been... Is that good? That's good. He's been untouchable this year. And he's a guy who's going to top out at 87 on a good day. But he has a filthy changeup. He has a lot of movement on all those pitches. He's not a, a big-time pro guy by any stretch, but he's a guy who at the college level, if you throw strikes and you change speeds enough and you have a lot of movement on your pitches, you're going to be really tough to square up. Especially from the left side. Especially from the left side. Johnny Piemont has pitched really well to this point. He's a he's a grad student for them. He's been there forever. He's like seven foot six or however <laughs> tall he is. Um, he's 4-0, 2.93, and he's, he's throwing strikes – you know, he's, he's going to be 88 to 91 for the most part, but he's throwing strikes, he's pounding the zone, and he's a, he's a competitor. He's a guy who's pitched in the ACC for, for years now, um, for 10, 20 years. I don't know how long he's pitched in the ACC, but he's been around for a while. You know, they still need to figure out a third guy, Michael Beeline, who, a guy who probably has the, he has the best stuff of that group and, and the most pro upside of that group. He's struggled the last two weeks. Uh, on Fridays, uh, he's been knocked out early. Uh, I think he'll it'll eventually click for him. But uh, you know, I think if if it does click and when it does click for him, I mean that's going to take them to another level because he has the stuff to be a very good starter for them. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, for both teams, great starts to the, to this season. Uh, they deserve to be in the top ten given what they've done so far. We'll see if they're able to maintain that. You know, this the schedule is going to ramp up. For Duke especially, um, as you said, um, although this week they go to Wake Forest, which Wake Forest has been really tough at home. I mean, they've they beat Florida State at home, they beat Louisville at home, so that's that's not going to be an easy series. And then they go to Florida State, and then they play NC State, which should be a fun showdown. Maybe it's still a top ten showdown by that point. We'll see what happens with the rankings, but uh, certainly a lot of uh, intrigue there. No it's a great year for that to have happened in the ACC because that, that's not a series that has to happen. They're in separate divisions. That is not protected. Um, you know, state's protected series is North Carolina. Um, so fortunately, the ACC schedule works out that you know, we get Duke and State in a year that um, you know, both teams are, are, are very exciting teams, and uh, you know, hopefully we can get some, some nice atmosphere for uh, – you know, that, that kind of rivalry game. Um, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> uh, it's, it's no Duke-UNC. Um, but it's a local rivalry, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, as far as the, the 25, and you know, another conference, for me, that's really tough to figure out right now is the Big 12. And you and I were talking about this a little bit before we went on here. Uh, we, we brought in Oklahoma this week at number 19 uh, after taking down Baylor. Um, they're 20-10 and 10 and a perfect 6-0 in the Big 12 right now. That is their best conference start since 1984 uh, when they were in the Big 8 and when Mike and I were not born. Correct. So that's good enough to, to get into our top 25. <laughs> they're at number 19. We have Texas Tech who, you know, they had a couple of tough weekends early on this month against, against good competition. Uh, they've seemingly gotten back into a groove. They're they're three and three in the Big Twelve, coming off a, a, a series win against West Virginia, which is a good team. Twenty three and six overall. They're back up to number seven. But then we have the rest of the Big Twelve that I think we're still trying to figure out a little bit. TCU, a, a team that, that had a four peat 
in Omaha is you know, stunningly not in the Tuning Five this week. It's the first time since uh, 2014. Um, and it feels weird. It doesn't feel right to me. Uh, but, I mean, you look at what they've done this year. They just got swept at Oklahoma State this weekend. They're 14-10 and 10 overall. And, uh, you know, there's still, you know, there's talent on that team, but they did lose a lot from last year, and I think they're still trying to get their feet under them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's a team that we just kind of penciled in for a reload, not a rebuild. Uh, but it does have to be acknowledged um, the many, many significant losses they suffered from last year's team. And, um, you know, it's taken them a little bit of time. And, you know, I still think that it's a pretty good team. Uh, you know, I, I think that they're going to be at the heart, in the heart of this at the end of it. But, um, you know, right now they're not playing like it. That, that sweep in Stillwater was not that that was not good. Um, that's an, a young. That's an Oklahoma State team that struggled early in the season, but is clearly finding itself in the last few weeks. Um, but you know, getting swept, falling to three and three in the conference, um, that that's tough for TCU. And you know, the the conference here is usually pretty tightly compact, and um, you know, losing, get, getting swept in any series is uh, you know going to put you in a tough spot in, in terms of the conference standings. Uh, but, you know, this Oklahoma team, I really like this team. I've really liked this team, you know, since the start of the season. Uh, and, and they're playing very well right now. And, uh, you know, most of the schedule has been at home to this point. Uh, pretty much all of the schedule has been at home to this point since opening weekend. Uh, and, and so it is going to be a little interesting to see how they fare uh, this week, when they go back out on the road, they have a midweek at Oral Roberts. Then they go down to TCU, and obviously that the Horn Frogs are going to be, you know, looking to get back on track. Uh, you know, they might be angry. They might be angry Horn Frogs. Um, yeah, they could be. And uh, you know, so it, it's not the Woo Birds are going to be out, and they're going to be wooing. <laughs> there's, there's no question. Uh, you know, so Oklahoma is going to face the, a, a tough test this week. You know, it, even though TCU's maybe a little down right now. Um, it's going to be a tough test for Oklahoma, and, and you know I, I like the the veteran makeup of this club. Uh, you know, they've returned so much on the pitching staff. Uh, they they have several hitters back, including Steel Walker. Um, you know, the preseason All American outfielder. But you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare this week uh, when they go back out on the road, because that's a team that that at home is nineteen and five, but is just one and five away from Norman. Yeah, no, it, it is going to be, I mean, this is going to be a, a, an excellent test for them, as you mentioned, and, you know, maybe this is something that, you know, we get a little more clarity in the Big 12. Maybe it just confuses us even more. I'm well, not entirely I, sure. I, we, we, <laughs> we can't ignore Texas either. I mean, they're 6-3, they're and three, but they just lost a series at Kansas State. Um, <laughs> so, you know, th- this, is, this is the Big 12 this year, and... I think this was kind of the Big 12 last year a little bit, except that TCU and Texas Tech kind of rolled through the other teams uh, a little more smoothly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a it's a league that beats up on itself, uh, and you know it's definitely doing that this year. And this year, I think it's lacking that elite team at the top. Texas Tech still might be that, maybe, uh, but. You know, it, it's lacking that elite top that, that last year helped push it to the top of the RPI this year. 
It's just a group of really good teams, any of whom can clearly beat anyone on, on any given weekend. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, to me, it, you know, I, I still think Texas Tech is going to ultimately end up as the team in this conference. Uh, I, I know they've, uh, you know, we mentioned early on they struggled a little bit that series at Kentucky and then dropped that series to Baylor to start Big 12 play. But I just think that given the talent on the team, given what they've done the last few years and just looking at the non-conference schedule that they play and always play, they challenge themselves every year. I, I think they're the team, and uh, I, you know, for us, I know we have uh, some some readers who say we don't always give them their due, but I'm giving them their due right here, Texas Tech. I will also say when, when we're looking at this Big 12 race, they're really tough in Lubbock, uh, and they get Oklahoma and Texas in Lubbock this year. They, they have to go to TCU. They have to go to Oklahoma State still. Uh, but, you know, getting Oklahoma and Texas in Lubbock this season I think is big. Mm-hmm. Um and that may like I, I agree that they're the best team in the Big Twelve, but that home field advantage may just be enough like if they needed it to push them over the top. Uh, but but I, I think that they'll that looks like the team to beat for sure in the conference. How the pieces fall in behind them remains to be seen. I think the the TCU Oklahoma series this weekend is certainly a, a big one to watch. I, that might give us more answers here. Uh, I think for TCU, it's you know kind of time to start winning sooner rather than later. For Oklahoma, it's more okay. Is, can is we it time keep this for the going? Sooners to start winning sooner rather okay, than later? Okay, let's not. No, <laughs> that's okay. gonna. Yeah, I see what you did there though, and I respect it. I respect it, but that's that's gonna get messy really quickly. <laughs> so let's let's steer clear of that one. But yeah, so the Big Twelve, it's uh, it's a bit messy right now, but. That's okay, you know. That's that's what the regular season is for. Yeah, I mean, and we're we're in a we're about halfway through the year for most of these teams, um, you know. And it's okay that we don't have clarity. That that's what the second half of the season is for. That we're really getting to the heart of conference play here. And um, you know, teams are teams are going to win some series that they you are, are going to be surprising. Teams are going to lose some series that, that you're going to wonder what's going on. But that that's the beauty of conference play. These teams know each other so well. Um, you know, and, and as we get into it, that, that um, they, they present difficult matchups and, and, you know, all sorts of things. And so the, the next seven weeks of the season here are going to be obviously very exciting. Um, and, you know, potentially we've got, got some more upsets in us. I hope so. Um, so, Mike, I, before we get out of here, your, your favorite or your, your, um, your pick to win uh, Pitcher of the Year, an award that does not actually exist, uh, was Colton Eastman. <laughs> yeah. And he this week had a, had a pretty good week. He did a pretty good week. Uh, he joined uh, a very exclusive club this year, um, the no-hitter club. <laughs> uh, he, became, he threw the 17th no-hitter this year already, um, which, is, which is a record, or at least ties a record. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and he, yeah, he was my pick uh, for pitcher of the year, which is not an award, but it's it's still something that we we do. And he, he's gotten off to, I mean, he's been good so far this year. He's three and two, two point four seven. Obviously, the no hitter is an incredible achievement for him, and you know, joins some big time names as well. You know, among Cal State Fullerton pitchers who have accomplished that feat, Kirk Sorlos, the pitching coach at TCU, comes to mind. Uh, you know, and and the you know the Fullerton Cal State Fullerton, they're ten and fifteen overall. Um, you know, still a team that uh, is, is trying to find its footing, a team that we thought very highly of in the preseason. You know, the Big West is another conference that 
I, I think I think we both think is a little bit down this year. Um, certainly, there there isn't a lot of a lot of clarity in that conference at this point. There isn't a lot there to. Uh, it, it's tough to predict, but you know maybe this is the start of things. At the very least, maybe it's the start of things for Colton Eastman because they did lose the other two games after that start. <laughs> <Yes>. So, <laughs> so it may not be the start of things for Fullerton, but it's, you know it, it's a, a nice uh, a feather in the cap of Colton Eastman. Absolutely, and. Um... You know, speaking of incredible pitching performances, uh, I was my attention was drawn to this by by the Auburn Twitter account. Casey Mize has not walked a batter in literally a month. That's pretty good. Um, and he turned in another exceptional start this weekend. Auburn lost a series to Mizzou afterwards, but Casey Mize just continues to roll right along. Um, and you know, Eastman, Mize, you know, th- these are guys that, you know, were, were expected to lead their rotations. And, and to this point, they're, they're both uh, holding up their ends of the bargain. Uh, and, you know, it's been uh, how they finish the rest of the season is going to be incredibly important, both to their teams and to their draft stock. Uh, and, and, of course, we'll be keeping an eye on, on both of those things. Uh, but, Mike, is there anything else uh, from around the country that, that you wanted to, to mention this week? Uh, you know, the only thing I would say is is hopefully this week uh, it's a little bit easier to put together than <laughs> the top twenty five because this was I, I enjoy the upsets as much as anybody, uh, but let let's see. I, I'm kind of curious to see if you know how much this changes from one week to the next. Let's see if you know some of the teams that have played well to this point have played their way in the top ten. Let's see if they're able to hold their their spots there and hold serve and do well this week. And that's what I'm looking forward to this week and you know there are some really big series as we mentioned that we're looking forward to you know specifically you know that Oklahoma TCU series is one that's very interesting to me so that that's my overall thought and uh, you know we'll see yeah I I think the schedule this week is a little bit um, I don't want to say lighter but there are less like top 25 teams playing each other this week uh, which means that there's more potential for upsets, but also that inherently there should be a little less movement um, this week that you know, we, we don't have the, the situation where top 10 teams are, are going to beat up on each other. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see what that leads to in the, the rankings. But you, know, you mentioned Oklahoma TCU. We also have you know, Coastal playing South Alabama in a big series in the Sun Belt. Um, you know, that could go a long way to deciding – uh, that conference title, um, you know, so we, we have some interesting series like that. And, um, you know, I, we, we also have, you know, Louisville and, and, and North Carolina State, like you mentioned. And, uh, and so, even Georgia at Vanderbilt is interesting yeah, to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the SEC never fails to, to provide <laughs> us with a few interesting series. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's one of them this week. And, uh, you know, even Ole Miss going to Mississippi State, you know, it, it that's that's a huge rivalry series, of course, and the Bulldogs have not started SEC play well, but you know they're going to be up for this series, and the Rebels also are looking for a little bit of revenge after what happened in Oxford last year when uh, Mississippi State went in there and, and won that series. Um, so it, that's going to be a fun one. I, the schedule might not have the, the kind of marquee series as many of them this week, but it's still going to be uh, an exciting week around around the country, I think. Um, you know, so after that, another exciting week. We'll be back here next week uh, on Monday. We'll have a new top 25 to talk about. 
Uh, we'll have a new podcast. Um, there will be all kinds of new content over at BaseballAmerica.com. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Be sure to, uh, to, to check that out throughout this week as well and to, to follow Mike and I on Twitter. Uh, he's M. Lanana. I'm at Ted Cahill. Uh, I'm excited that I'm back in the studio this week. Uh, so hopefully the podcast quality is a little better for you guys. Um, and also that we're back on iTunes. Uh, I know some of you had, had asked about that. Um, and so that situation has been resolved. Uh, so you can continue to follow us on uh, all your, your various favorite podcast platforms, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever. Uh, and I believe in all of those cases, certainly in iTunes, I know, um, you, you, can, you can rate us. And if you rate us, uh, if you like our podcast, you know, feel free to, to go ahead and do that uh, and, and maybe give us five stars. I don't know. I feel like maybe we could get five stars. I, you know, I, I would like five stars. I would prefer five to four, yeah. certainly. I mean, I listen, it, whatever, we're not pushing the issue here, but if you want to give us five stars, I mean, it's not, you know, I'm okay with it. I'll take it. We're, we're open to the idea. Yeah, just just sit on it. Just think about it for a little while, you know, discuss it with your loved ones, and, and then rank us. Give us five stars. <laughs> all right. So remember uh, to check out all the content at BaseballAmerica.com. Uh, our top 25 is powered by Louisville Slugger. So thank you to Louisville Slugger. And for Mike, I'm Teddy Cahill. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.